And uh, so I want to just to say that you're on a journey. This is a, a journey of learning to serve for you. And I don't know exactly what all that looks like, but he's going to teach you more and more. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. Um, now that I'm feeling a little bit nervous, I haven't spoken in French. Uh, wow, come on. Um, let's just pray and just ask the Lord to come and then we're going to watch a, a quick video. But God, I just want to say that, Lord, whether we're walking tight ropes and needing to know that you're the one who carries us across, or whether we're going on a, an adventure of the Lord where you're leading us to different cities and you're teaching us what it looks like to, to put you first, or whether we're here in Durban and we're taking risks with bringing a word to a waitress or bringing a word to a church about keys. Lord, over and over again, Lord, you're teaching us how to walk with you. That it's all about you. It's about laying down our lives. And even today as I preach and as we've looked at what it means to be integrated into your community. Father, I pray, Lord, that all along the way we would continue to live outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves. Taking risks, moving forward, trusting you, and realizing that it's all for your glory. It's all for you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Be with us this morning as we learn more about you. Amen. Amen. Just work on this humming. It feels like humming on my, vo my voice. And then let's play this video, can we? I come from a very, very traditional background. Um, and so when I first came to Greenwich, I thought, oh my word, what is going on? How can I possibly fit into this? crowd of people. I'm a single mom with two boys and from the beginning there's playground in the front, everyone made friends with them. So people were also so loving and accepting and genuinely accepting. Um, one way I got integrated into Greenwich was to join a home group and I've never been part of a home group before. It was a, a new concept to me. At first I was very reluctant and hesitant and I thought, oh my word, going to someone's house that I don't know and I, I wasn't sure of how or what was going to happen and it really was an amazing experience. Um, it helps you feel plugged in, it helps you feel connected to the people around you and um, it helps you to be part of the community and feel loved and supported by the community. I encourage you to find a home group and get integrated. Amen. Great, that was Shelly, as you saw in the video, and Shelly's story is like so many of our stories of people that have come to Glenridge and looking, how do we belong, what role do we play, and home groups are so much a key part of that, and I'll talk a little bit more about that just now. And we're on a journey, God wants to take you on a journey, we've got four eyes here that we've been speaking through, and we're going to be speaking through over the next couple of weeks, Stan started with the eye introduced, that God has brought you to a place where He wants Him. And then you want to be introduced to his community. But more than that, you want to be integrated. It's part of what God has for every single person, that they would be integrated into his people. It's what God wants for you so that you might learn to walk this journey with other people. That's God's plan. In California, just north of San Francisco, is a woods called Mere Woods. And in these woods, you will find redwood trees that are the 
biggest, largest living thing on this planet, redwood trees. They extend, imagine a soccer pitch turned up vertically. That's how tall a redwood tree is. If you stand at its base, it inc it's incredible. I've done that before and I've looked up. It is absolutely breathtaking. They span 115 meters tall. Redwoods also have been around for 1,500 years. Since the Persians were fighting the Romans, the redwood trees were there. They have weathered storms, earthquakes, and the tests of time. Now you wonder how they do this and you think, well, it must be because they have roots that must be as deep as redwoods are tall. You would think that, but it's not true. Actually, redwoods only have roots that go four feet deep. In South African speak, since we're translating languages today, 1.2 meters. A redwood, 1,500 meters, only has roots that go 1.2 meters, yet they have been around for 1,500 years. How is that possible? Well, redwoods grow in groves. They do not grow in isolation by themselves. And when their roots go down, they interlock, interlock with other roots from other redwood trees. And because of that interlocking with one another, it gives them their strength because of the community of redwoods that they find themselves in. That's how they last the storms and the test of time. And this is what God has for each one of us. This is the way that God's kingdom works for an individual who wants to grow and take this journey into maturity. It cannot happen without interlocking your roots with other believers and integrating your life with theirs. That's what God's plan is. That's the way it works. He intends us to live in community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Christ opened up the way to God, which he did. If you haven't heard the good news yet, Jesus came. He was God. He came as uh, in the form of man, as a human. And he lived this life perfectly, without sin. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, to pay the penalty of our sins so that we might have a relationship with God, and he rose again. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer says Christ opened up the way to God, but more than that, he opened up the way to our brother, to one another. He made it possible for us to connect with one another, and it's through Christ that we connect with people. The life and resurrection of Jesus was not just a personal restoration, but it was also the restoration of the expression of what we call the triune God. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, so unified, so integrated, so much community that Jesus the Father and the Son, are, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, are actually one. Community is at the heart of the very essence. It is the very essence of God. Relationship, connected. And Jesus came to bring us into that relationship. And everything that we do now is connected in relationships because that's who God is. The essence of God is community. And when we get integrated into God's community on earth, we start to feel, we start to have that connection. We start to enter into who we were always meant to be in relationship with God 
and others the way that God created. That's why it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. Because we were made to be like God in the image of God in community with one another. So what does being integrated into community look like? And what does an authentic community look like? Well, it starts with this. Community looks like gathering around Christ. Community looks like gathering around Jesus. That's what community is. It's not gathering around just interests. It's not gathering around your favorite rugby game like this afternoon. It's deeper than that. God's looking at something deeper than that. And hopefully you are going to get to watch the game later this afternoon. They're playing Japan, right? See how, see how South African I've become. I even know who South Africa is playing today, Japan. Since we're on languages. There's a Japanese phrase for you. It means be filled with the Holy Spirit. I had a Japanese friend. And uh, sorry, I'm going way off my notes here, but it's kind of a funny story. So I have this Japanese friend, and, and, uh, and I was trying to impress this girl uh, who was a Christian girl. And uh, uh, Megan and I weren't together at the time, just so you know. <laughs> and she's actually on a women's retreat today, so, she, so I can say these things publicly. And, uh, and I, said, so, so I said, so teach me something, a phrase in Japanese. And he says, I said, teach me how to say be filled with the Holy Spirit. So then I was hanging out with this girl, and I said, you know, I speak in tongues. And I just kind of threw it in there, you know. You know, speaking in tongues, right? And she said, really? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I said, yeah, but not just any tongues. I, I, my tongues is Japanese. She said, no, it's not. That's no. I, no I said, it is. I just say things in Japanese, and I have no idea what they mean. She said, really? I said, yeah, like, that's just the tongue that I have. She said, you are lying. I said, no, it's true. And I said, you can ask anybody. She says, well, ask him. He's Japanese. I said, yeah, do you know him? Yeah, ask him. Hey, Japanese guy, come over here. I said, what does it mean? She said, be filled with the Holy Ghost. She said, oh, my gosh. I said, yeah, yeah, it's just my Japanese tongue. Shame. I think somewhere in this world, she's telling somebody the miracles of God. This guy who speaks Japanese is his tongue shame. Sorry, Jesus. I did not represent you well there. Oh, I don't speak Japanese tongues, if you want to know. Having Christian community is that Jesus died just for me. Look here in Romans 12, 5. It says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We are one body in Christ. Jesus did not just die alone, for you alone. You know that famous thing that we say to, as Christians, if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would die for you? Not true. Jesus would wait until someone else was on the planet, and then he would die for you too. Because Jesus came and died for a people, not for a person. It's important for us to understand this. Otherwise, we can get our Christianity very mixed up. And this is the problem is we stay in the introduced, oh, I've been introduced to Jesus, Jesus for me. And we don't move into integrate because we believe this idea that it's just about me. It's all about me. And so we never move into maturity because we think that it revolves around us. And meaningful people want to help you know that Jesus loved you. And of course you were on Jesus' mind whenever he went to the cross. You were on his mind before the foundations of the earth were created. The Bible tells us that he loves you. 
but he's not just about you and it never has been. And sometimes we sing songs that can confuse us. And one of my favorites back in the day was a song, Above All. Do you remember that song? Above all power, above all things. You know that one? And it gets the crucified laid behind a stone. You got, you're with me, right? Some of you oldies, I can see some of the blue hairs are saying yes, the white hairs, the gray hairs. We know it. My children often remind me that I'm the gray hair, and we don't know these songs, Dad. Okay, I know this song. And whenever you get to the last line, it's going so well. Crucified, laid behind a stone, lived to die, rejected and alone, like a rose, trampled on the ground. He gave it, what is it? He took the fall and thought of me above all. Hallelujah. If he thought of you above all, we are in serious danger. Because that's called idolatry. That means God put you above himself. And you are, we should all be worshiping you if you were the, the, the thing on his mind above all. It wasn't. Above all was God and his purposes. God's always thought about, if he doesn't think about himself above all, then we are in danger. That's called <laughs> that is called safety, whatever God actually thinks about God and his purposes more than just us. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. God, keep thinking about yourself and glorifying yourself. And that's what we want to do. Because we are created. We are not creator. And on that cross, he was thinking of dying for his people, his bride. Which is not just one, but it's us. The church of God. That's what community is. If you do not understand and grasp it, and if you stay in the introduce section, and you don't move into the integrate, I'm part of the community, you never actually fully realize, you don't start this journey of realizing why he created you, why he died for you, why it's important. And we end up navel-gazing, and we end up making it about us. It's like a caterpillar who just loves his cocoon and never breaks out of that cocoon. He's just comfortable. Oh, it's just, ooh, it's nice here, just all about me. It's like a racehorse that just kind of grows old in a stable. Just keep feeding me, just keep feeding me. You were made to run. You were made to stay in this little stable and just make it all about me. It's like a, a gift, a package that's never been opened, a gift that's never been opened. Some of you here today have never actually been opened because it's in community that you get opened. And the grace that you are gets to be shared with everyone. We pull ourselves, we gather around Christ. Christ has much more for us than just salvation from hell. There's more, it's found with his people. What does this look like practically? Well, it means that we look for ways in which we can become a part of Jesus' body. Where we learn to love, serve, and give. Where we learn how important people are to Jesus. We do that at Glenridge through, particularly, I mean, there's lots of ways in which we do that. Two key, every week we have opportunity to do this. And one is through prayer and worship. On a Thursday evening, we have a prayer and worship time here where we come together and it's so spontaneous and I love it because the Holy Spirit's always moving in a different way. 
And sometimes we're praying for people, and sometimes we're praying for the city. Sometimes we're gathering in groups, and we're commune. It's community we're seeing. We're being led by the Spirit. And it's there that we start to express and understand what it means to be in community. But we also have home groups, as you saw on the video that was played. In the home groups, and there's one near you, we have them. We have these little cards in the integrate board. You'll find cards color-coded for the areas that we have home groups in. You can find one near you and get integrated. Such an easy thing to do. Speaking with someone earlier before the, the service, not yet integrated into a home group. And with just a little bit of help and understanding, you realize oh, there is actually one that you can plug into. And if you need some help plugging in one, come and speak to me. And I'd love to share with you, tell you where you might be able to go. Or come and look at the board. Start to get integrated in that way. You know, it's something that may surprise you, but Jesus was a small group leader. He was a leader of a small group of men and women. And together in circles, that's why we often say you grow better in circles than rows. In circles, Jesus was moving them to introduce and integrate and to invest into the kingdom and impact. And 2,000 years later, that small group, their impact, they're still feeling it. God wants that for you. Community looks like hearing God together. It says here in Thessalonians 5, 11 to 21, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Did you know we need community to help us when we are idle? We start to lose our way. Do you know you need help when we start to get faint-hearted? When we are weak? <clears throat> we need community. And we come together, it says here, to encourage one another. And it carries on, and we won't read it all, but it talks about prophesying over one another. We want to hear God's word together. We have an encouragement. That's where the interlocking like the redwood groves. We stand strong. And it's that interlocking, it's that engaging, it's that hearing and encouraging one another that gives us the ability to hold on when the storms come. And they will come. They came for Megan and me in 2003, around early 2000s. Let me show you a picture of my family. Can you put a picture up here? This is a picture of my family. It's the latest photo we've taken together. And uh, I love the photo. I love my kids are beautiful kids. But if you just look in this photo for a moment, between Dea, who's behind the couch and on your left, and Eden, who's in the middle, is a gap, and there's someone missing in that picture. So in the early 2000s, Megan had a very violent and a very traumatic miscarriage. And we, we lost a little child who should be in that photo right there, but is not. And it, during that weekend, I was launching a men's weekend. And a whole bunch of men, we were starting it, and I was leading the whole thing. I had prepped for it for months, had it together. And just as she had miscarried and it was very painful experience and painful physically. Um, I was so invested in this thing and so emotionally absent 
that I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I, did, I was a bit lost at the time. And I carried on with my men's weekend. And I shouldn't have. And it took us a long time afterwards to even work that issue out between us. Because I just pressed on with ministry while Megan was lying in bed um, through this thing. And the Lord's great, they came and they pulled in where I'd, I was missing. The small group came in and filled the gap. And they loved Megan and they brought her meals and they helped. And there's this one lady who, who didn't say anything. She came and she saw Megan in bed. She said not one word. She simply crawled into bed with Megan and she held her while Megan was crying. That, that should have been me holding her. But praise the Lord for small groups. Praise the Lord for a lady who could fill that gap whenever I was too dumb to know what to do. When I was absent. That's what small groups are meant to be. And the reason that interlocking could happen and the reason and that graced Megan and the reason she was able to get through was because of the community that we had. It breaks my heart when I think of so many people going through tragedies like that and so much more alone. Some of you have endured hectic stuff alone. You were never meant to be alone in your greatest traumatic moments. You're not meant to be alone. But we don't know that you're alone. Because we, we don't know how you're connecting. We don't know where you're connecting. You're meant to be in family. Your presence and your voice are needed in community. Because not only will you need someone to come and put your their arms around you and crawl into your darkest moment with you, but you will need to do that for somebody else. You will need to do that. God is waiting for you to be able to do that. That's whenever you start to move into the invest stage where you yourself realize it's not just a community for me, but I'm made for community. And when you get there, you're starting to mature and starting to become like Christ in that situation in your own life. We are meant to draw upon each other and encourage. That's what community looks like. Hearing God's voice together and saying, the Lord says, I'm here and it's going to be okay. The Lord says, you don't have to walk that tightrope by yourself. I want to carry you through. Community looks like unity in diversity. Unity and diversity. Look at this verse. Ephesians 2, 14 to 15 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, that he may create in himself one new man or one new humanity in place of the two, so making peace. Now these verses refer specifically to Jews and Gentiles people that were enemies at the time. 
And Paul is saying in these verses that because of Christ, enemies are not just made friends. Now, that's called the rainbow nation. No, it goes deeper than that. Enemies are made family, and that's called the church. That's the church. And we are made family. And when you come together, even in these small groups, even in our home groups, when we come together, we don't walk in there and think, she's nobody's like me. We walk in there and say, praise God, nobody is like me. I need people that are not like me in my life. Children are a lot like me. They're very different, but we have a lot of similarities. That's wonderful. Love the family. You've got family. They're like you. They speak your language. You know each other, have a lot of history, real comfortable, real easy. And you can isolate yourself with your mom and dad and your extended family or your children and just live in this little bubble. And they're all like you. And you never actually take this journey because you're not growing. It's in the diversity of people that you start to change. I'm learning now how to laugh at an Afrikaans joke. The Afrikaans humor is different than my humor. But because I'm in a small group and there's some Afrikaners there, I'm, I'm learning, oh, wow, this is different. I love this. I'm growing in this. And I'm loving it. I'm thinking, wow, your presence here is changing me. And I love, we've got Zulus in our home group. And the Zulus are teaching me how to be a little freer. I mean, they love to laugh and they're just like, Wah! and it's just like craziness all, over, all the time. And it's wonderful. There's so much life. And it's like, we could talk. Why don't we have to do any Bible study? Let's just hang out. And they love hanging out. And the Afrikaners are like, are we going to study the Bible or what? How much talking must we do? Can we get to business? And it's great. And I was asking our home group leaders, are Nick and Tracy Young Thompson, and they're here today. If you want to go to a good home group in Glenwood, there's a good one there. And I love our home group. And, and I was asking, I just sent Tracy a message this morning saying, how many different nationalities do we have? And she says, we've got eight different nationalities in our home group. Beautiful. Where do you get that? I mean, you can sit next to different nationalities at, at work, and that's great. And you want to try and integrate and love and invest and impact in that space. But I'm talking about family. When you come together, it's family, and you rub each other the wrong way, and you grow, and you mature, and you become a better you that looks more like Jesus. Community also looks like practical love. Practical love. Acts 2.44 says this, and all who believed, they were together. And they met in homes, as we see in Acts and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Don't you want to live and be a part of a church that looks like that? Where we're for one another and the love is practical love. You are a part of a church like that. When Megan and I moved to Durban... I think it was about 13 years, 2006, 13 years ago. We moved to Durban. We didn't know anybody. We were coming to plant a church. We came and uh, we were the first to come and didn't know anyone. We called, Megan was eight months pregnant with Anya. We didn't know enough of people. We contacted Glenridge because we heard Glenridge was a good church and trustworthy. The reputation went ahead of Glenridge went far and wide 
even reached our ears, and we knew of all the places we could go for help, Glenridge was a good church. So we called Glenridge, and we said, do you have a, an electrician you would recommend? And they recommended one. The electrician came around and uh, did the work and everything, and saw Megan was eight months pregnant, and said, please let us know when the baby comes. So we said, great, we did. Let them know the baby's here. They then called and said, we are part of a Glenridge home group. And our home group would love to bring meals to you for the next two weeks. And I was like, you, you know I'm planting another church, right? Like, and I'm thinking in my mind, you know, are we, are we competitors? Uh, you know, I mean, is it okay? Like, like, this is like blowing my mind. Like, there's another church that says, not only are we glad you're in town, but we really want to bless you. And we're praying your church will grow. And it did grow. Not with Glenridge members, by the way. <laughs> they came and they served us, and we were stunned. Every single night for two weeks, a new Glenridge person would come through the door, single married, all different kinds, would come through the door and give us a meal. And we were making all new friends with Glenridge people, never knowing that God's purposes in years to come would be that we would join with Glenridge and the church that we led is now there, part of City Gate Church there across town in Glenwood. But God was setting us up for a great future, but he was also teaching us what family looks like, teaching us what practical love looks like, teaching us what community looks like through Glenridge. We are meant to be there. You are meant to play a part of that. That is your legacy. This is who we are as Glenridge. This is us. At our best, we are those that practically love people. But unless you're in that space, unless you're connecting, unless you're integrating into the community, we don't know how to love you. We don't know what you need. We can't connect. And you also don't know what others need. Practical love starts with us taking that step from knowing Jesus, but being known in community, his people, meeting each other's needs. These four points are not exhaustive. The New Testament is full of verses of what authentic Christianity looks like. But it's a beginning, it's a start place for us to get the understanding that we gather around Jesus. We want to hear God's voice for one another. We want to be those that aren't just happy in our comfort zones with our people like us, but want to be stretched and love the diversity and unity in Christ so that we can practically love one another. We get integrated, and we become that redwood grove together. And it's in this way that God enables you to, to last through the storm. When life comes, you say, community's here. Community's here. We're going to get through this together. Get integrated. It's your next step. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to ask that you would help those that have camped out in the introduced section of their walk with you, the start of journey, 
and take the next step. I pray, Father, for the grace and the faith to push through. But, Lord, I thank you, God, that this won't be the end of it. Lord, that you have so much more for each one of us. And even those of us that are firmly planted and firmly rooted. Father, what might you be teaching us again? Or what authentic community looks like? That we might, God, just get excited again for being a family. That brings others into a family. Just as we're praying right here and right now. I just feel like there are many that have come into an understanding that the Lord has adopted you. You, you are a child. You, you understand what it means to be a son or a daughter. You're adopted into God's family. But you're living as if you've never left the orphanage. So you know God as your father. You know Jesus. But you're not yet in his home with your brothers and sisters. And it's like being adopted and never leaving the orphanage. Right now, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit has just convicted a few hearts. I feel like the Holy Spirit has come and is, just, is on this pause. And right now, I feel like there's a response even from you right today. Of saying, Lord, help me not to live as an orphan in the, or as a son who hasn't left the orphanage. God, show me what it is to come home with you, with your people, and to begin finding family again. Family, finding family maybe for the very first time. If that's you, you need to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry, but I haven't responded. You need to make a decision right now to respond. Say, yes, God, I will say yes to you. I'm walking this journey. Thank you, Jesus, for those within their hearts right now that are saying yes to you. Thank you, Father, for those. Thank you, Jesus. Can we stand together? Thank you, Lord. And I want us to do one thing as we kind of finish. And this is something that we don't often do in church because we know it, this, there's lots of different people here. Not everybody here is part of the Glenridge family. We've got visitors. We've got guests. But I want us to just do a little bit of an action here. I want you to just put your arms around a person and link. You're going to have to move if there's a gap between you. And I want us to link together with our arms around. Let's have a picture of that redwood up again. Shepherd, just put the redwood picture up again. Okay. Put your arms, I know you, some of you are holding hands. Arms around, arms around. Arms around. Okay. Now just, now just give it a little, little, little bit of a tug, okay? A little bit of, come on, we're linked. These are roots. These are roots. All right, all right. Now, now do me a favor, do me a favor. Just drop your hands to your side for a moment. Okay. This, this feels awkward, doesn't it? It doesn't feel right, does it? Many of us are happy to be right next to people. Okay, we know we, this is how much we're going to do community. Hi, how are you? 
And this is kind of how we do church. Hi, how's it going? I don't know, I don't know your name, but I don't want to. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm happy to be real super close to you and, and, uh, because we're family. Imagine if you had, this is how you guys did family, you know. Hi, Leslie, nice to see you. Now let's put our hands back. Doesn't that feel better? Does that feel natural? Doesn't it feel like this is, this is what our arms were created to do? God help us to interlock, to integrate, to connect our roots with one another for the sake of our own growth, but ultimately for the sake of your glory, so that there might be many more that join this community of believers. In your precious name we pray, amen.